Damonte Williams. Johnny on the spot, taps it up and in. It's time for Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll get you caught up on your Illini sports news along with other area national sports news. Here are Lauren Tate and Michael Kaiser. Good Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. 33 degrees here at 901, a really beautiful day in store for East Central Illinois. December 16th, headed for a high of 50 degrees. Definitely take that. Maybe get out, get your shopping done today. Uh, but in the meantime, listen to us as you're driving around or doing whatever you may be doing at home. Give us a call, 356-9397. Text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. Also listen live at WDWS.com. Also take your emails this morning, talk at WDWS.com. And as always, a podcast of this show and others are on our website and on iTunes. Lauren Tate, good morning. How are you? Well, I'm I'm fine, but I think we ought to get, get the sad news out of the way quick as as we can here. I mean, of course, we know that Lou Henson's not going to be able to go to Chicago. Sure. That's been established, and he's just not feeling well enough. He, uh, he's got some kind of a, a, a lung infection and, and uh, uh, just uh, simply is too weak to go. And it's too bad, but they'll have that 4 o'clock affair in uh, at the uh, United Center in his behalf in any case, anyway. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe he can call in or something, you know. I mean, I... I'm I'm sure everybody uh, feels the same about Lou, and uh, just sorry that he can't make an event uh, which is built around Illinois yeah. and New Mexico State. Yeah, th- this event is for him. Uh, you know, it's called the Dynegy Shootout, and uh, but this is this is all about Lou Henson. Today is uh, th- that game tonight uh, was for him. It's unfortunate he can't make it. It'd been great to see him there. Uh, he's gotten plenty of standing ovations over and over and over again, uh, especially here. But the it, it would have been a different environment tonight because it's both teams uh, both those programs adore him yeah and uh, both programs have a court named after Lou and to see him be in an atmosphere where both teams have a significant history with him that doesn't happen very often where I mean when's the last time Illinois played New Mexico State 1990 I don't remember like 1992 I believe something like that um, it's been a long time and, and so unfortunately Lou won't be there tonight uh, but you know his health is what's most important keeping him and make sure he's okay and you know, I know he probably wanted to try to find a way to go. I mean, you talked to him. I didn't, but uh, I'm sure he wanted to try to find a way to go. And I think it's best that he just try to uh, get healthy and, and get back on the road yeah, to recovery. Yeah, he was feeling so, so good at the beginning of the week, as you know, and, mm-hmm. and attended yeah. several events, over, plus, the, you know, the rebounders and, the, and the, the press conference. And he went to practice Tuesday and stayed for the entire practice and, and met with all the players and coaches individually and, but that's um, Lou will be um, he'll be listening he'll be mm-hmm. watching on the Big Ten Network tonight sure. at seven and and I'm sure that uh, that uh, he'll be back on his feet by next week. At the same time, uh, more sad news: Teddy Edelman, uh, the wife of the late great Dyke Edelman, some called the greatest athlete in Illinois history, certainly played more sports and won more sure. letters than anybody varsity letters, and and uh, then Mrs. Uh, Shirley Beach, Ted Beach's wife, passed away overnight. So. That's uh, two la- great women that are gone and, and uh, people that are very much associated with uh, Illinois sports. So they both passed away overnight? Overnight. Well, I, I'm Teddy may have I, – I don't know the exact time of, okay. of either death, but I just know that uh, it's, the, it's in the old bits today that about Teddy Edelman, and, and uh, I was told this morning about Shirley Beach. Yeah, it's uh, it's really unfortunate. Uh, that's a that's a tough time, and uh, I mean the name Edelman just goes, especially the name Edelman goes way way back here on, yep. on this campus. 
And, and Ted, of course, is, was a great athlete at Champaign High School and, and won a state championship for Champaign when there was only one, uh, you know, there was only one champion in those days, back in the 40s. And then they had three teams that uh, were just in a row right in the mid-40s that went right to the finals of the, of the state. And then, of course, he was a, he was a senior uh, when um, Illinois went to the final four in, mm, that would have been 1951. So that was his senior year, and he and Don Sunderlich were the only seniors on a team, and also Rod Fletcher was on that team. Rod's still living out in California, and uh, Rod was also a Champaign High School product. So they had two Champaign High School products on a team that went to the Final Four, and then the rest were mostly sophomores uh, at that time, Bredar and DeMorris and Fulmer, all gone. Yeah, it's it's always... uh, Bob Peterson also, also on that team, also gone. Well, you can give us your thoughts uh, on that this morning. Again, 356-9397. Texas on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515357. The Illini basketball game tonight uh, that was supposed to honor Lou Henson, still will, as we mentioned, uh, will be at 7 o'clock at the United Center in Chicago. Illini game day at 530. Uh, Brian Barnhart and Deion Thomas will be on the call. The Illini trying to get their second consecutive win. They'll have a week off uh, due to finals and uh, final exams, and they'll play Missouri next Saturday night. Uh, down in St. Louis in the annual Bragg and Rights game. Some uh, other notes today. Uh, of course, a big Illini football recruiting weekend. Uh, we'll get the, a couple transfers uh, first off, though. Dominic Thiemann and Sean Adesanya are transferring from the team. Now 10 transfers. Again, this was expected uh, Lauren player for players to leave. Uh, the number. That's a big number. It's a big number, though. It, yeah. 10 is a big number. Uh, and so now they have 25 available scholarships. To, and the signing day is Wednesday through Friday. The early signing period is Wednesday through Friday. And then the regular signing period that's been in place for years is, is still in February. Uh, I'm a big fan of the early signing uh, period. Uh, instead of making guys wait, you know, months after their high school seasons are over, uh, let's get this out of the way. And uh, for some of them, now somebody still wait. I know a lot of them still will, but uh, I think Burtis Brown yeah, is going to announce on Friday. I was surprised in talking to uh, Tom Lemming yesterday. He told me that he thought uh, – There'll be a large number that won't sign until mm-hmm. February. I mean, I, I thought maybe it would be something like 80 or 90%, but he said no. Now, we'll, we'll find out, uh, obviously. A lot of teams are going to fill up. I mean, Illinois would fill up if they could sure. right now. Yeah, yeah. But, they, but they'd need 10 more. Which, but they had 28 guys over here that uh, have, them, have had them here or are here now this weekend, 28 players, including Virtus Brown, by the way, who's going to announce on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's going to announce for Illinois, uh, we're pretty convinced. And – He's, an, he's a four-star center uh, guard and defensive tackle, but he played mostly center this year Well, I'm, uh, at IMG. I, I think Illini fans, if, if that becomes official and he signs, Illini fans could send Jimbo Fisher a thank you card for leaving Florida State That's exactly right. and going to Texas A&M because if he right. doesn't leave Florida State, Virtus Brown does not. And I'm Don't pretty certain commit with, from, decommit with, from Florida State. 20 coaching changes that a lot of players are, are, are readjusting. Oh, absolutely. Of and course they are. I mean, Houston Griffith, uh, he's also going to leave yeah, he's Florida going to Notre Dame. Yeah, most likely, yeah. Um, Ryan Easterly told us that a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's, he, that's where he's going. I mean, in Illinois, it's not. I know it's, you know, Howard Griffith's son and, you know, former Illini, but he's not. He just Illinois never really interested him as much as the other schools, like Notre Dame and Florida State. He's been playing down at Florida with Burtis Brown. Uh, so Illinois couldn't pull that one off. But I think getting Burtis Brown – it's a pretty big deal, especially when he committed to Florida State originally. Yeah, and I don't know if he's going to play offense or defense. I've been trying to find that out, and, and uh, since he played center for IMG this year, maybe he's going to be uh, an offensive lineman, uh, either a guard or a center. 
Well, we'll see. Uh, again, the signing period's Wednesday through Friday, and then again in February. Uh, it's bowl season officially gets underway today as well. There's a total of 40 bowl, bowl games uh, with just six games today, but it's going to pick up in earnest today. We'll take a timeout, though. We're going to switch over to uh, Will Leach, uh, Matt Two native, U of I alum. Always good to have him on. I uh, had him back on, I think, around September or so when he was in town. Uh, Will Leach, a big-time Cardinals fan. I've been following uh, the Major League Baseball offseason. Winter meetings a really busy week for the Cardinals, a good week uh, for the Cardinals, of course. John Mozeliak and uh, general manager Mike Gershon say they're not done. Uh, but we'll talk to Will Leach about his thoughts, what the Cardinals have done, what the Cubs need to do, and, and more around Major League Baseball. That's coming up next here on DWS. There's a time for Regardless of your project needs, Rental City saves you the expense of buying, storing, and maintaining tools or equipment you use only occasionally or even once in a lifetime. Visit us on Mattis Avenue, just north of the I-74 overpass in Champaign. Or call us at 359-6127. Whatever and whenever you need it. Rent it from Rental City. Put your next home project in the hands of a trusted team. Call Pratt Home Improvement for installation and repairs on all your roofing, siding, windows, doors, decks, sunrooms, awnings, and gutter protection needs. 35 years of construction know-how. Jim Pratt continues to serve his hometown of Monticello and an expansive service area that includes Champaign-Urbana, Tuscola, Rantoul, Gibson City, Decatur, Paxton, St. Joe, Philo, Indiana, and all points in between. The Pratt team is lead certified, insured, bonded, and partnered with the Energy Star program. Jim guarantees you'll always get the attention you deserve and no mess will be left behind, leaving your property looking its best after that job is done. Make Pratt Home Improvement your first call, area 217-621-5176. That's 217-621-5176. Pratt Home Improvement, locally owned, locally operated, offering 0% financing on all their products and services. Pratt Home Improvement, an independent solution to your home repair and remodeling needs. Since 1955, Blaine's Farm and Fleet has earned the trust of farmers and Midwest families by offering great brands at honest prices. Everything we sell is carefully chosen to ensure you're getting top quality with every brand you buy. Like heavy-duty sheeted bull bale feeders from Balin, just $2.99.99. Buy any three bags of Neutrina feeds and get one free. Pick up a three-cubic-foot bag of America's Choice EcoFlake Natural Animal Bedding on sale $4.49 and save $100 on the Milwaukee M8 Fuel High Torque Impact Wrench Kit on sale $279 and shop the way you want to shop. Blaine's Farm and Fleet now accepts American Express cards. We also have our drive-thru service. It's shopping made simple. It's fast, easy, and convenient. Also at Blaine's Farm and Fleet this week, check out this great doorbuster deal. Easy Heat 40-pound premium wood pellets, just $379. Trust, it's what we were founded on. It's what we try to earn every day. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. 3-2 Ozuna, left field deep, way, way back and up into the second deck. Ozuna right field, that's well hit, and it's deep, and it's gone. 
Ozuna got around. It's deep. And it's gone. Two-run shot. Have a night. 2-1 rocket to left. And it's deep. And it's gone. A grand slam. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. 33 degrees at 913. Those highlights courtesy of Fox Sports Florida. Marcel Ozuna, new St. Louis Cardinal. Will Leach probably in a good mood hearing those highlights. Will now joins us on the phone. Will, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning. Um, yeah, you, I will listen to – I've been watching a lot of Marcelo Zuna the last few days, so I will listen to the radio highlights of him all, as long as you'll let me. Yeah, I, I, there was about a five-minute YouTube video this morning. It's like, I don't have time to watch this whole thing, but uh, I'll, I'll watch a few of these. And, man, they look good, and, and they sounded loud coming off his bat. And I'm looking forward to seeing those fly out of Bush Stadium uh, here in just a few months. Yeah, and, and clearly, you know, that was what the, what the Cardinals needed. They clearly needed a power bat, frankly. Uh, you can make a pretty strong argument they need two, and I think the Cardinals are aware of that, which is one of the most fascinating things about this. You know, And we'll see what happens because uh, there's a lot of options on the table. But I think the Cardinals have made it pretty clear. You know, there have been times where even Dexter Fowler last year, it's like, okay, you got Dexter Fowler. We got you, your guy. We're done. And the Cardinals, I think, uh, finishing, finishing behind the Cubs two years in a row is a pretty good motivator, and I think they're clearly trying to get as, uh, compile as much talent as they can this year. Will Leach, uh, I guess senior writer of sports on, on Earth uh, from Matt Toon, uh, U of I alum. Uh, Will, as you, as you look at that, the last couple off seasons, the Cardinals have talked about needing to make moves, uh, major moves. The Dexter Fowler was an okay move, but you know they tried to keep Jason Hayward a couple of years ago. They tried to get David Price, and it came up empty-handed. And you know, then they lost the Stanton sweepstakes last week, which you know, and in some people's opinion, Ozuna was, was maybe the more important player for the Marlins. Uh, you know, with, with his with his batting average, with his RBIs, and just his overall impact on the team, but now they've actually made a, a, a big move, and they they keep saying that we're trying to do more here, and they're and they're not hiding the fact that uh, they're trying to do more. And I I I feel a little more confident because this move happened that I did maybe a week ago. Yeah, you know, and it's the fact that they did something. Obviously, they were all in on stand in a way that, frankly, I wasn't sure they were going to be. They were going to pay a larger percent of percentage of his salary than. I think the Cardinals are usually comfortable with it. So the fact that they were willing to give so much up for Stanton, and again, I think they actually um, may have given up, had to give up fewer prospects to get Stanton, but the money is just, the Cardinals, it's very unlike the Cardinals to, to take on a big contract like that. And, uh, and so I think that showed how serious they were about trying to go out and get someone. And now we've seen with Ozuna, so an argument could be made that not getting Stanton could be a little bit of a of a, of a blessing because now you can go out and get a Zuna, uh, who you're not tied to as long as you would have been tied to with Stanton, and you can go out and with these other options. You know, it's clear. It's funny how you look at every transaction in baseball. You see these national writers writing about uh, who's going to get Machado, who's the who's the favorite for Machado, who's the favorite for Donaldson, who's the favorite for Archer, and they all keep saying the Cardinals. <laughs> and it's really kind of a strange <laughs> thing because usually yeah. the Cardinals are the team that are, that are not the ones that get included in this. I think it shows not just the strength the Cardinals have in prospects and prospects and also, frankly, money right now, but also the motivation. Uh, well, let's talk. Let's look at it from the overall standpoint of baseball. Is it good for one team to sell off in this fashion? Is it good for baseball to add Stanton to Judge and have uh, the Yankees uh, with a, a murderer's row again? Is this are these things good? 
I do not think what's happening with the Marlins is good. I think that you know they, it, it, it's that market. They've already practically tried to kill that market for so long, and then now uh, there was a little flicker of hope. Derek Jeter realize oh wait they don't have any money and they have to sell off uh, everything i don't i i am a big proponent of you stick with your team no matter what and you never leave because it'll pay off someday if i were a miami marlins fan i'd have a really hard time well, for that team so I think yeah. that's bad for baseball stand to the yankees i don't know if that's bad for baseball i have to say the yankees it was weird because that that young yankees team last year was kind of likable yeah, kind of fun and young and interesting. And I'm sorry, a Yankee, a likable Yankees is simply will not do. <laughs> no. Well, you know, so, I, I found myself liking like them him. for the first time, Will. And and, and uh, now I'm going to go back and, and take exactly. the other. And that's good for baseball. I think that's good for baseball to have to have the Yankees as the villains again and the one everybody's shooting for. It's frustrating. Cause you're like, oh, how, why do they get everyone? But frankly, that makes it that much more exciting when you beat them. Well, uh, do you think that the, who do you see next for the Cardinals? Who do you who do you think they'll be able to land to add another bat to that lineup? Maybe an know, in, maybe an infielder. Yeah, I you know I think that clearly they would like they've got three options right now, and it depends on a lot of the options are a little bit out of their control. Clearly, they would like to bring in another big bat, either a Machado or a Donaldson. Donaldson is clearly their preference. They've shown a lot of interest in him particularly because you know, Machado is going to get a massive 10-year, 12-year, $400 million contract. The Cardinals are not going to have any interest in doing it at the end of the year. Donaldson is older, and I think they'd still have to pay up for Donaldson if they, joined, if they wanted him to stay. But I think it'd be more reasonable, and I think they, they think they could do the old Cardinals thing of, of, of bringing in a guy and getting him, getting him comfortable and then, and then extending him and getting him to stay in St. Louis. They think they could do that with Donaldson more than they could do with Machado. That said... The Blue Jays don't seem to be showing a lot of desire to trade Donaldson. A lot of people throughout baseball think the Blue Jays should. They, they, need, they need to start over. Look what the Yankees are doing. Look what the Red Sox are doing. They, they feel like the Blue Jays maybe need to be a little bit more realistic about this. The Blue, the Blue Jays have said, the ownership has said, we owe it to our fans and trying to win next year. So if Donaldson's not available, then you go to Machado. And Machado, I think, would be a perfect fit for the Cardinals as well. He wants to play shortstop. I suspect the Cardinals would still play him at third or kind of move him back and forth between third and short. I think they, they would love to get him. I think they've got the best prospects to get him. The problem with the Orioles is that the Orioles are such an unpredictable organization, and they change their mind. And they're a team that's always talking about making trades and never ends up making them. So it's always a, bit, a little bit of a mess with them. So if neither one of those work out, and I think they'd like to do those, then you go to the Rays option. And then the Rays option is – it starts with Alex Colomay, who's, the, who's their closer, and then it depends on how ambitious the Cardinals want to be. I think if the Cardinals, they want, uh, the, the Rays would like to see the Cardinals pick up Evan Longoria. The problem with Evan Longoria is, A, he signed for a while, and B, I'm not sure he's better than Jed Jerko, to be entirely honest. Yeah, and that so was, I, I, that I, was I my question, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure he's better than Jerko, but maybe you take on Longoria if then the deal gets expanded to the real prize that the Rays have, which is Chris Archer. And I think that the, 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 the Cubs have been attached to Archer. The thing with Archer is if the Cubs are going after him, the Cardinals should go after him because the Cardinals have more prospects to deal with, and that's what the Rays want. So that, those are kind of the three options. Either they go a Machado, a Donaldson, or they go to the Rays. 
and say column A Longoria and maybe even an archer. And maybe Longoria isn't that big bat, but I think if you get an archer, I, I think that that's more than enough improvement. Will, my, my concern with the Machado deal is uh, he had a really slow start to the season last year. He finished strong. Uh, I know he had some good bad luck with good content, contact, but uh, that's a lot. It would be a lot to give up for a guy that's a one-year rental. Um, I, d- I just don't know how that helps you long-term if you g- give it too many prospects. Now, I think it helps him that it's only a one-year deal, and the Orioles can't ask for the whole kitchen sink and everything, but still – I, I would just be concerned about giving up a lot of a, a lot of talent in the minor leagues or on the major league roster to get a guy that you're, as you just said, have almost no chance to sign long term. Yeah, I think the advantage the Cardinals have in that. Remember, the disadvantage with the Cardinals have is that the Orioles are just weird. The Orioles are a strange organization. <laughs> you never quite know who's in charge. It's always kind of a mess. Making deals with them is famously difficult for any team in baseball. Cardinals have the advantage, and there are really three teams. They've shown a ton of interest in Machado and would have the prospects to get him. The Yankees, or the Orioles, have specifically said they do not want to trade with, to the point they want to make sure that anybody else they trade with isn't just working as a middleman to get them to the Yankees. Because the Yankees very much want him, I'm sure, will try to sign him after next year. The White Sox, who, I guess, they want to show that they're getting more serious. I think that's, I don't quite understand that. Uh, and the Cardinals. And so, to me, if the Orioles are really motivated to trade Machado, the argument is you should have to give up a little. Like, here's the question. What's worth more? Two years of Ozuna? Because the Cardinals only have Ozuna for two years. Yeah. Like, this is not like the, the Yelich trade where they would have had him under cross control. Ozuna is just a two-year guy. So what is really worth more? Two years of Ozuna or one year for Machado? If you were to tell me the Cardinals would give up roughly what they gave up or maybe a little bit more for Machado than they give up for Ozuna, I think that's okay. I think that's okay to make it to make a one-year run in that regard. The remember the Cardinals gave up. Alcantara is a good player. Sierra is a good player. The Cardinals have five top 100 prospects, none of which were given up for Ozuna. That's, that's a really good pl- uh, spot for for the Cardinals to be in, and I think gives them a lot of options in a potential potato trade. But again. It's the Orioles, and they're strange, and they're hard to deal with, and they change their minds. So that's really kind of the issue. Well, you know, we, I, I'm fascinated. We spend all this time talking about positions, and when the season starts, it's all about the pitching. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it really does come down to the, the rotation and, and the relievers, and, these, and, you, and you have to have – relief is a whole new world because the regulars aren't even going past five innings anymore, five to six innings. That's, that's it. That's, that's the national average. So tell me about pitching. Tell me about Cub pitching. Tell me about Cardinal pitching. Yeah, it's funny. I'm a little surprised that John Mozeliak has seemed as comfortable with his rotation as he said. He's talked about, he said, listen, we may add a pitcher, but we don't really feel like we have to. And I get that in that like, there's a lot of talent there. I think Weaver, Weaver's coming back and Martinez and, and, I, and, the, and the Mikolos, the new guy from Japan. Like, clearly, they, they, feel, they feel comfortable with their pitching with some of the minor leaguers, leaguers there. I don't know. I feel like Alex Reyes could be great, but he's also coming off Tommy John. Yes. And I think that's a lot for him. And Wainwright, you do not know what you're getting from Wainwright. Everybody loves Wainwright, but you don't, don't know what you're getting from him. I think another starter could be handy, remember, because they're not re-signing Lance Lynn unless the price really just collapses. So it's hard to – they seem more comfortable with that. Bullpen, it's funny how the trend this year has just been sign veteran relievers who are just average for like a year or two and just like have them. Because basically you just need innings out of your bullpen. There used to be the idea, the idea of getting a closer. It's just not as important anymore. 
Well, you, people still want closers, but what they really pitchers are innings. They want as many innings as possible from their bullpen. Because you're right, people uh, these, they're, they're expecting starters to get maybe three times through the through the lineup, and then that's that's it. And so it changes that game a little bit. I think the Cardinals are comfortable with the fact that they have so many young arms that can fill in some of those innings. I would argue you still need a solid 150 inning guy. You know you're getting 150 innings out of them. Like Michael Walker was great last year. Do you know Michael Walker's not going to get hurt? I don't know. I feel like you're, it's a little risky there. And with the Cubs, I think it's clear when the Cubs brought in Chatwood that like they really like Chatwood. And I understand. I think Chatwood could be a good pitcher. But he's not a number one or a number two guy. And I – I, I'll put it this way. If you put the Cardinals rotation against the Cubs rotation right now, I think it, the Cardinals have the better rotation. Now, do they have a more reliable rotation? I think that, that that's up for grabs. But I, you would have thought the Cardinals and the Cubs would be like in a bidding war for someone like Chris Archer, but there doesn't seem to be a huge motivation from either side on that. Maybe that's because the Cubs, the Cubs prospects have lost a little bit of luster. They've traded a lot of them away. But uh, the arms race between the Cubs and the Cardinals right now seems to be more on the offensive side necessarily than the uh, than the pitching side. Will Leach joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Give him a follow at, on Twitter at William F. Leach. Uh, writer for Sports on Earth, writes a lot of different things. And I, I wanted to I'll get a couple more minutes with you here. I, w- I wanted to go back to the Yankees and, and the piece that you wrote this week and how they sort of rebuild it, rebuild it in, in quotation marks there, uh, but they never fell below 500 like the Cubs did and like the Astros did. Well, those two teams lost 100 games to start over. The Yankees started over sort of and then made the playoffs in 2015, one game went the World Series this year, and now got Stanton. I guess it's different for them when they rebuild. Yeah, the, basically, you know, the whole model of baseball right now is either you're all in to win in this season, like the Cardinals and Cubs clearly are right now, or you're you're selling everybody off. Like do, that's the Cubs and Astros model, and it clearly worked very well for both of them. Sell everybody off. It's what the Reds are doing. It's what the Phillies are doing. It's what a lot of teams are doing now, and and that's the whole idea. It's almost the NBA idea. You're supposed to either try to win the championship or tank. And right. they would never say the word tank, but they would certainly say the idea that. They're they're expanding their competitive window would be the way that they would that they would say it. And of course, the Yankees they don't have to do that. The Yankees in the Yankee in their Yankees way actually just did what the Cubs and Astros did. They did not they did not go get the top free agents at the deadline. The idea that the Yankees they sold off top players to get prospects mm-hmm. at the deadline, which is what they did a couple of years ago when they traded Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman, who of course they just went back and signed anyway because they're the Yankees. They got top prospects out of that. And if you really you – know, remember back in the old Moneyball days and the old uh, Billy Bean, the idea that Billy Bean was this outsider with a team that didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of cash, it, <laughs> didn't have a lot of cash and had to go use like almost guerrilla tactics and had to go after, and go, after, go, after the big, uh, go after the big players. The Yankees are basically using those old tactics, using those old tactics, but adding a ton of money with them. <laughs> so that, that's basically what they're doing. The Yankees are just completely reloaded across the board right now, and they have money. They're going to be terrifying, and they never played this over 500 while they were waiting. It's really kind of not fair. Yep. Well, Will, we're uh, short on time here. Uh, good stuff, as always. Uh, we'll have you on again, again but uh, we're we watching closely to see what the uh, the Cardinals do here this uh, offseason beyond Ozuna and Gregerson. Uh, of course, trading Piscotty, I thought that was a uh, was the only reason. His mom wasn't the only reason they traded him, but I thought that was a, a great move by then. But to find a team and the Giants who wanted or the uh, A's who wanted him, what did they get for him? 
Anything? Uh, they, they, yeah. I, a couple, a couple, a couple of infielders that I think are reasonable. They're, the Cardinals need some infield depth uh, throughout their organization, and they got it. I, they're not top guys, but they got something for them. And uh, it wasn't just a charity deal for Piscotty, but it was, I think, it was something that helped. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll stay tuned. Uh, we'll see what happens and next time we have on. We talk about the uh, the Illini basketball team and what you think about them as they move along in the season. Absolutely. I also want to say congratulations to Jim Turpin, by the way. I've been oh. with Jim Turpin forever over there. Yep. It's an honor to get to talk on his station. I know that he's been uh, coming to the end over there, and it's, it's pretty fantastic. I've been listening to him forever. So thanks for having me, guys. Not hey, a thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. That is uh, Will Leach, a senior writer for uh, uh, Sports on Earth, a founder of Deadspin, Matu, native U of I alum, and, uh, and Jim's last show, if you, if you don't know, is next Friday the 22nd. Uh, so, uh, you know, of course, uh, he's been an institution. Uh, Lauren, you know that better than most uh, here on this station in this community uh, for a long, long time. And so just uh, Jim's last show on the Penny for Your Thoughts will be Friday. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to get uh, Andy Katz. He uh, called the game for Big Ten Network the other night. Uh, he's going to join us, give his thoughts on the Illini, what he saw from Brad Underwood's squad and uh, Brad's first season here leading the program, the rest of the Big Ten, and around college basketball. That's coming up next here on DWS. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning, uh, 33 degrees at 933. Pleased to be joined on the phone by Andy Katz. Andy Katz, NCAA.com correspondent, Big Ten Network contributor, was on the call the other night for the Illini and Longwood. Andy, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning. Well, uh, let's, let's just get right into it with the, the Illini game the other night. Uh, you got to see him uh, up close, so you were here for a, a couple of days I know it was just Longwood, uh, but still I felt like the turnovers and the fouls were way down compared to what they had been in uh, recent games. And no matter the opponent, opponent you want to see some po- positives. Did, did you take that away as well? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely did. Um, you know, I got the impression that the things that really they were struggling with when they went to UNLV, uh, their game against Wake, um, you know, even the microcosm game, if you will, against Maryland, those things I think were corrected a lot, you know, in this victory over Longwood. Now, of course, it's a game against Longwood. They're depleted. They're a lower-level team. So, you know, there's, you could argue that there were a number of different factors working in their favor, but I think they took advantage of them. And that's what you have to do in situations like that. You have to make sure that, you know, you're able to take advantage when you have to put your foot on the pedal, if you will, and basically finish off a team. And that's what they did in that situation. Andy Katz, give him a follow on Twitter, at Andy at the Andy Katz. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. Someone took my name. So I saw that. I was, I was, I was making sure I get your Twitter handle right this morning, and I was like, well, who took, who took his name? Like, who takes his, Andy Katz's name? It's the Andy Katz. Uh, yeah. So, well, Andy, um, it's uh, we, around the Big Ten as we look at the Big Ten. The Michigan State up, up there by themselves. Purdue is looking really good. There, there are some other teams, but I want to focus on Ohio State a little bit and the job that Chris Holtman has done uh, w- with the Buckeyes so far in his first year there. It's He's really got them off to a good start in the Big Ten and so far this season. No, and actually, that's where I am today. I'm going to the Ohio State Appalachian State game. Um, and, uh, you know, they've done an outstanding job of – Basically, leaning on their veteran guys, uh, 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 Diop and Tate, 
uh, you know, have done a great a great job of of making sure that they can lead C.J. Jackson. You know, they got to watch his turnovers. But um, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to Chris yesterday about this. That the perception was, oh, this is like a, a throwaway year because you didn't get here till June. But that's not the case at all. That's not the way they're looking at this. You know, a you don't want to ever cheat the seniors out of what should be you know, one of their best years. And two, the Big Ten, you know, this year, and I would say this about Illinois as well, it's really muddled in that middle. I mean, I saw Northwestern the other night. They're starting to play much better. You know, outside of Michigan State, and I would put Purdue, uh, I still like Minnesota a lot, but I think there's a whole group of teams where it would be very difficult to predict exactly where they're going to finish, um, you know, at the end of the season. That's why Ohio State getting the two wins and which two they got where they beat Wisconsin on the road and then beating um, Michigan at home in, the, you know, in, a, in a crazy kind of comeback game. I think that's significant for Ohio State to be able to do that, whereas Illinois, you know, the fact that they ended up being 0-2 and, and then starting with 4-5 or 5 on the road in the Big Ten, you know, that obviously puts them at a disadvantage. Andy, I want to ask you a question about national basketball. I see the – the Wichita States, year after year. I see Xavier, year after year. I see Gonzaga. I mean, these are teams that, you know, if you go back 20 years, 15, 20 years, they were just another team, you know, that uh, nobody thought much about. But there are a number of teams like this, and many of them uh, schools that don't have football. Is there any relationship there between the fact that they don't have football? And is there what is it that keeps these teams moving uh, along so strongly? Well, yes, there is definitely a correlation because Villanova, Gonzaga, Wichita, they can put all their money into basketball. They don't have to worry about football, not necessarily just draining the rev- the, the, the revenue, but, yeah, it's 100% all in on them. Charters, salaries, um, every amenity is shifted toward those, towards, men's ba- towards men's basketball at those schools. And once they were successful – they're able to maintain it. They've had also, which is very critical, consistency in coaching and their staffs and their administration. You know, so often we've seen in the past where, uh, you know, a school will get on a run. Like VCU is a great example of that. Um, and, and they don't, VCU doesn't have the money that like a Villanova has or, or nor the tradition, but it, it's been such a stepping stone job that it's been hard to, to continue that consistency uh, because as soon as someone gets good, they bounce and, and, you know, we've seen that whether it was Capel or, I mean, excuse me, Anthony Grant, um, uh, for Tashaka, um, you know, it, it, that's what that job has become, whereas Gonzaga, few has made it a destination. You know, Greg Marshall's only going to leave for, I think, like a top five kind of job. Um, and clearly, even though Villanova had the tradition, Jay Wright's had multiple chances to leave and has chosen not to. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that they're able to sustain this over so much time. I mean, right now Xavier's a top ten team and has been. I mean, they really deserve. Well, but it. the other thing too, and Xavier, yeah, I would put them in that group. The other thing too is that, especially like in Zach and Wichita, um, and I think this will continue with Wichita and the American, is they've been able to get all the high profile television appearances. Mm. Whereas for a school like Illinois in the Big Ten, you know, you're fighting with. Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan, and Wisconsin um, to get the prime uh, television appearances or even get into those tournaments. Because remember, Maui, the Bahamas, you can only take one team from each conference every four – that same team can only every four years. 
and each year it's only one team from a particular conference. So if you're in the Big Ten, your opportunities to play in a Maui Invitational, you know, you're going to have to really wait your turn, you know, for Northwestern, even though they've gotten good now. Um, will they ever get to Maui? I don't know. Maybe. But, it, you know, it, it, for their turn to come up, it's going to take some time. Do you think Northwestern can sustain? Um, well, to do it, they're going to have to obviously have Chris stay there, Chris Collins, um, because he's all in and has done a great job. But I do think what they're doing on campus, that kind of commitment, which they've never had before, oh, right. is a game changer. Yeah. You know, the, the new uh, Welsh Ryan they're building, practice facility, you know, their football program obviously is putting together a magnificent uh, facility that's going to be right on Lake Michigan. So all of that's going to completely change, um, I, I think, the program in terms of its long-term viability. What's going on in the SEC this year? Are they really better? Yeah, they are. Um, you know, once again, they've had better coaching, uh, and that has helped. You know, getting someone like Rick Barnes at Tennessee, I think they're going to be a, a team that's going to be right in the mix to get in. Um, you know, they could have easily dumped Mark Fox at different times because he wasn't getting over the hump, but Georgia looks like a team this year that's going to be not going to have to sweat the uh, selection Sunday as much. Um, Mike White was a great hire at Florida, sort of a, the second coming of Billy Donovan, and he's been able to, to keep the Gators at that level. Um, A&M, you know, they've recruited exceptionally well, and Billy Kennedy uh, has been sort of a stabilizing force there despite, you know, his health issues. He's been able to sort of deal with that. And, uh, you know, they, they, I think this will be the year that Kentucky um, will probably lose more games in the SEC than they have in recent past. And they still may win it. But if they lose these games this year, they won't be dinged for it <laughs> because, there's a, you know, the depth is much better. Andy Katz uh, joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Give Andy a follow on Twitter at the Andy Katz. Well, the, as, as far as the you know number one team of the country, at, at one point it was Duke, but Duke is still uh, really good. It was Marvin Bagley down low, Marvin Bagley the third, having just having a great season, and then I'm gonna go out to Arizona and the other really star uh, post player, DeAndre Ayton, and those two. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought you know Bagley might be the number one draft pick, but now you know he, Ayton is really having a good season. Yeah, I think it's DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, and, and Trey Young. Uh, Trey Young is leading the country in scoring at 28.8 points a game for Oklahoma. They're taking on Wichita State today at the Interest Arena um, in Wichita. And so those are the three best freshmen right now. Uh, and uh, to be honest, I think, uh, you know, because of size, size always goes first. So I, I could definitely see Bagley being the one that um, that ends up maybe going one. But uh, all three of them are going to be top five kind of players. Well, I, I know uh, you know Bulls fans are wanting the the Bulls to tank, and it, it was Marvin Bagley was a discussion. But which one do you think would be a better fit uh, for the Bulls if the Bulls ultimately are able to secure that number one pick and stop winning games? It's because they've won five in a row. Um, you know, it depends. I mean, obviously, the Derrick Rose thing is no more. Um, I I just love Trey Young. I think Trey Young could be like a Steph Curry type player. You know, Bagley's. But uh, I might lean. I might lean uh, Trey Young right now. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, another thing around the country going on. Arizona State made a huge lo- leap this week. Uh, Bobby Hurley's doing a great job out there with, with the Sun Devils. One at number two Kansas in Lawrence. 
what is he doing there to get that program going? Uh, they've gotten old, um, which is critical. You know, to be uh, for a program like that that's not going to get one and done. Trey Holder, Shannon Evans, these guys that have been around now. So for them to stay old, get old, you know, that's one of the main reasons that they are where they are right now. And they're having an unbelievable season offensively. They are sensational. Um, a great watch, putting up just tons of points. Uh, so uh, I, I think they've got the ability to sustain it. Andy, I want to take you to ESPN. I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, but the, the changes there have been uh, uh, no, mentioned nationally. Uh, everybody's aware of, of, of the, the departures. Uh, I was shocked when I saw your name uh, that you weren't going to be with them anymore. And what's your reaction to what you see happening? There? What's, what's going on with ESPN? Well, I mean, I don't feel comfortable really discussing it, uh, okay. but I will just tell you that, you know, I, I'm in a great position right now uh, working for NCAA.com and the digital side and doing everything I used to always do. And then um, the Big Ten Network's been great. I'm loving every second of it, and it's re-energized me, and I'm out and about. And so um, I couldn't be happier working for both entities right now. Well, you know, the one thing I've noticed about I never dreamed that the Big Ten Network was going to grow to the level that it has. I mean, it is really a top flight. You, well, know, when I, they... you know, I think – I think being hyper-local is important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I mean, let's be honest, Nebraska, Penn State, they're, not, they're in football, I mean, excuse me, in basketball, they're not going to get the kind of attention that normally they would get. Uh, or not, I mean, they would normally not get much attention. But when you have a, your own network, then you're more apt to at least give them some attention because they weren't getting any. And now, you, you know, so those kinds of schools are loving a situation like this. Do you have any thoughts on the on the money that, that that it's now being thrown around? I mean, these schools, these Big Ten schools, are not Rutgers in Maryland yet, but the, the other Big Ten schools are going to be over fifty million dollars in income from all the different TV networks. What's your take on that? I mean, it just looks like there's just well, I mean, money that, to throw. Well, that's why that's why, or there's a haves and haves not. Yeah, I mean that's clearly happening in college athletics. And, I mean, what we're seeing in football is, you know, they can say all they want to say, but there's no way that the majority of schools have no chance to compete for the national championship. I mean, UCF goes undefeated in the American. They can't even get close to it. So, um, whereas college basketball, you have a shot. You know, obviously, like we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. So, um, there, there's a clear division um, of, of haves and have-nots, and that's why uh, – Schools in the Big Ten are clearly going to benefit, and same with the SEC, and that's why the ACC is doing their own network, and that's why the Pac-12 is trying to grow theirs. Um, those are the ones that uh, are going to have the, the long-term uh, sustainability. Is there any way to uh, change that? Is there anything that could be done, any rules that could be? No, because you can't legislate. Uh, I mean, I just don't believe in, you know, like I don't th like the NCAA obviously got in trouble and they tried to end to legislate the restricted earnings coach thing. You can only pay that fourth coach like sixteen thousand dollars years ago, and they lost yep. that case. Yeah. Um, you know, look if 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 Michigan can pay twenty coaches on their staff, they should be able to. Um, you know, it gets a little murky when you get into uh, what. Like I still believe there should be baseline academic standards. Other people disagree with me. I'm fine with the NCAA at least having baseline standards um, because uh, you know, I just don't believe in 
yes, every institution has a different mission, but you know, let's not make it a mockery if one institution wanted to let guys in that had like you know below a 2.0 GPO GPA, uh, that would make no sense to me. So I, I'm fine with them having some standards, just like there should be rules and regs and all that. But financially, uh, it's hard to legislate that. Andy, you bring up academics, and I got to ask you, where were you on the Carolina decision by the NCAA? I'm not surprised because. And I thought this from the beginning. It was widespread at the university. You couldn't pinpoint, pinpoint which athletic program specifically benefited more than the other when other students were able to get to those classes. Um, and that's why I thought there was, uh, you know, different. Uh, that's why I, I thought it was going to be a case that was going to be very difficult for them to dive into in that manner. Andy Katz joining for just a couple more minutes here on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Andy, we'll take you back to, to the TV thing just for a moment here, and people are starting to get games and sporting events in different ways. They're starting to be streamed on Twitter in different ways. How how long do you think before TV starts to be impacted in a negative way because people are now on their phones all the time trying to watch games in different ways and maybe following along you know, and when you're at the game tweeting about what's going on at the game. People are just maybe not watching on TV and their couches as much as they used to. Well, that's the future. Um, you know, I, I did the Paradise Jam at Liberty in um, in November, and the games are on Flow Sports, and those games were streamed. Um, I think it's great to be able to have, you know, lower-level schools stream their games so their fan bases can watch them because they're not getting on, you know, ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS. So, you know, there's, a, there's an audience for everyone. Um and, you know, it might be smaller, obviously, in different places. But if you're a fan of Western Illinois or Southern Illinois and you want to see your team play, you know, you're not going to see them nas- on, you know, rarely, if ever, nationally. So get it streamed and make that the best production you can. And I think that's, that there's going to be a whole new market for that. And I wanted to talk to you about the uh, bribery scandal that, uh, you know, just – swallowed up a college basketball in September really was a big story. I felt it's kind of fallen off of late maybe because the season got underway. What, if anything, do you see happening uh, in season now? I, I know uh, there's been some, you know, assistant coaches have been fired and, you know, Bruce Pearl was under investigation at, at you know, at Auburn. He wasn't really cooperating at first. I'm not sure what the latest with that situation is, but do you see anything else happening with that in season, either with coaches or any other players becoming ineligible? Uh, I don't know. I, that's my short answer. I, I just don't know. I don't know where it stands. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, all I know is it, it has not affected the season on the court, which is great to see. I mean, we've had a great first month, so. Um, but I, I really don't know what's going to happen next. And yeah. anyone that says they do, I probably I don't agree. I, I don't think they know. They probably got a crystal ball or something that uh, maybe we need to get yeah. our hands on. But uh, when that first came out, uh, it. It wasn't surprising, you know, to see to hear some of the things that were going on, but it was just such a big blow to the sport uh, at, at the, on that on that day. What what did you take away from that an initial day when everything first came out? Uh, you know, obviously it was disheartening. Um, you know, we knew that people play on the edges and there are unethical people in every profession. Um, didn't think it would end up being criminal, uh, so we'll see how it all plays out. But. I also was never a believer that the sky is falling and that, uh, you know, that uh, everything is going to collapse. I don't believe it. I didn't believe it then. I don't believe it now. You, you, there's 365 schools, and the majority of them don't play on the edges in 
or, or in that pool of players. Um, some do, and they're getting burned, but the majority don't. Well, Andy, we appreciate your time so, this morning. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, have, have a good broadcast later on in Columbus today when the Buckeyes take on Appalachian State. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Andy. We'll yep. see you around. That is Andy Katz. You can give him a follow on Twitter at TheAndyKatz. Uh, NCAA.com correspondent, Big Ten Network contributor. I was in town for the game against Longwood the other night, and uh, it's a good gift for the Big Ten Network. I know he's done a lot of things oh, for NCAA.com, yeah. but that's really good for a guy of his caliber and just his connections around college basketball. You, you referenced ESPN to him, and, I mean, everybody has seen him on TV and covering big stories and at big college basketball events, and it's uh, great to have him on with us this morning. Yeah, it, uh, they released – ESPN released a lot of really quality talent, including yeah. Andy. And um, you're now seeing them form groups on uh, what I, I think it's called the ath- ath- athlete, the Athletic. Uh, yep. And, uh, mm-hmm. boy, they, they, can, they really turn out some good stuff. I, um, I, I need to subscribe to that. I have not done that yet. But, it's I mean, that's, I mean the, the Ken Rosenthal is another huge name on there because uh, he's uh, – there's just huge guys yeah. on the athletic that uh, forty bucks a year to yeah, get to yeah. get the uh, information from all those great people on, and uh, I signed up. I figure, uh, you know, I gotta I gotta see what they're writing. Yeah, I th- I think that again, I haven't done it yet, but Dan O'Neill's on there too. Yeah, that's true. She's really good. Mm-hmm. Anything out of the East, she's on top of. You know, I I every time I look at the oh, kid Rosenthal wrote this or so and so wrote that on the on the athletic, and I'm like. Can't read it. I need to really get the subscription to it. I just haven't done it yet. So, all right, we're going to take a timeout. Coming up at 10 o'clock, we're going to switch over to Illini football recruiting. Uh, big, big weekend just ahead of the signing period. It starts on Wednesday. This is the first year for the early signing period, so maybe may not see as many players sign up. I think as it goes along, uh, that'll change. Uh, but uh, February is still a big day. But uh, this week is this weekend's big for the Illini football team. Doug Bouchamba coming up in a little bit. Uh, we'll have more coverage of Illini basketball against New Mexico State tonight as well. All that's coming coming up. Stay tuned here on DWS. This team is not that far away from being undefeated, and yet we're not. So um, we've we've got moments, and and uh, I thought we took some positive steps tonight. I think we're better prepared now than we were, uh, you know, as we headed into the Wake Forest game. So. You know, we'll, we'll soon find out because New Mexico State's really good. And, and then the, uh, you know, when I told our team after the game, the next 20-plus games, big boy game. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. The temperature is climbing 38 degrees at 958. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning as we're getting you ready for Illini men's basketball later tonight, talking Illini football as well. Uh, so plenty to discuss on today's show, 356-9397. Texas on the Castle heating and cooling text line, 351-5357. Doug Bouchon coming up in just a few minutes, but that was Brad Underwood after the game the other night on the schedule. Now consistently pretty much for the most part going to be uh, much tougher moving forward because you only have one uh, non-Power 5 team left on the schedule you know, after today, and that's Grand Canyon. Because uh, New Mexico State's not a Power 5 team. And then you got Grand Canyon in two weeks from today, Mizzou next Saturday, and the Big Ten play, only Big Ten play after that. We can get into a pretty good debate here about the value of playing teams like Longwood or Grand Canyon. You, I mean, I don't Let's do that know. do later in the show. I mean, 
Huh? We can let's definitely do that later in the show. I want to, yeah. I I, I want to talk more about that, and because I think there is the, um, well, who cares how how they how good they played tonight because they played Longwood. That's, I mean, and that's exactly right. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. To me, it does. I mean, I'm not going. I'm simply not going to make judgments on what happens in a game after it's decided. I'm not going to make judgments on on a, on a game in which the players on the other team are not competitive, because we have players who can really play well against non-competitive teams. And they may not play so well against Michigan State and Minnesota and, and the, you know, Purdue and the better teams in the Big Ten. So the key, I mean, Illinois should never reach a point where they're satisfied to be mediocre. And, oh, and right not. now, uh, so far, I mean, that's where Illinois is. I'm not suggesting that uh, Underwood, ha- Underwood needs time. I don't, I'm not disappointed in Underwood at all, but, I mean, he's playing with, with players who couldn't make a mediocre team last year. Okay, we lost four starters yeah. from last year's we have team. Five returning players. We had a mediocre team last year that didn't reach the NCAA. Mm-hmm. The team that's playing now are players who couldn't make that team. The we have plus freshmen. Yeah, there are five returning players plus freshmen, and uh, unless you have the Duke freshman, the Kentucky freshman, the Carolina freshman, it takes some time to get those kids going. Even those freshmen at those power, the, the blue bloods, make mistakes, but they're so so good that their mistakes just don't matter by the end of the game because in terms of the outcome of the game. Well, coaches are convinced that playing these five or six games in the early season against – and everybody's doing it, okay? It mm-hmm. isn't just Illinois. Everybody at this level is doing it, and they're all convinced they absolutely need those games to be successful later. Well, we'll so, talk, let's talk about that more on the show later on the show. I, I, I want to go further into that later in the show. We've got to take a timeout. We're going to bring in Doug Bouchon next of Illinois Rivals. Covers Illini football, Illini football recruiting. Big time weekend this weekend. The Illini need to close on some players. Right now the recruiting class not ranked where you'd want it to be. Uh, but, you know, you, until signing day is officially over, which won't be really until February, won't know the end. But we'll see what happens in three uh, signing days coming up this week. Doug Bouchon is next here on DWS. Join Scott Beatty for Sports Talk, Tuesdays through Fridays at 5 p.m., right here on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, a News Gazette media station. Back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Thanks for joining us. 38 degrees at 10.05 on our way to a high of around 50 degrees. Today going to be a really nice mid-December day here in East Central Illinois. Please be joined on the, on the phone now by Doug Bouchon. Give him a follow on Twitter at Illinois Rivals. Recruiting guru. Keeps you up to date on all Illini football recruiting, and this is a really key time. Doug, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, not a problem. Well, I think uh, Illini fans are now that signing period uh, is almost here, which is uh, this is brand new. So taking some use, taking some time to get used to it uh, Wednesday through Friday. But this is a really big weekend. A lot of players on campus right now for their official visits. Uh, Corin Taylor, Dallas Craddath, Dallas Craddath, and other guys are here. Burtis Brown. Uh, just the cl- coaching staff needs to find a way to close, especially on some of these key players. Yeah, you know, this is the new uh, early signing period that the, the NCAA approved December 20th through 22nd. Illinois is really uh, making a strong push here at the end. The last two weekends, they had some big visitors on campus last weekend, too. And you mentioned Craddius, one of their top targets, the safety out of St. Louis. Uh, a guy I don't think you mentioned, uh, Ayadella Deo, a linebacker out, mm-hmm. you know, out of Florida IMG Academy, who's originally from St. Louis, a four-star kid. 
big visitor, really making a push for him. And I think he's going to make a decision here, committed to Texas since summer, but he's going to make a decision. And uh, Oklahoma's in the mix, Florida, Illinois. And they got a shot there for a really impact player if they can grab him. And Virtus um, uh, Brown, IMG Academy offensive mm-hmm. defensive lineman, Ruben uh, Uniji, another offensive lineman that they're pushing for. So, you know, they're trying to make a move. They're, the recruiting class is ranked pretty low in the Big Ten right now, but there's some guys on their board that could that could really improve the class and push them up the board. Well, uh, and you just mentioned the guy's committed to Texas, um, and he was at a couple games this season, and you see that kind of thing, especially in football, where guys go visit elsewhere, and you try to just take it with a grain of salt. But what is the realistic chance of getting him to decommit from Texas and, and to come up here? You know, I think the, the, the chances are he sticks with Texas, and he's been committed there, and he's had – a lot of chances to back out of it. He's been on, like you said, he's been on campus two or three times uh, during the football season. And, uh, you know, he visited Oklahoma, he visited Florida and had a chance to back out. But uh, they got a shot. I mean, uh, you don't often have a press conference if you're announcing that you're sticking with the team you're committed to. And, and uh, we've heard that he's going to have some kind of event in St. Louis next week. And so who knows? It's getting kind of interesting for sure. He keeps coming back to Illinois that, you know, and, when you keep coming back like that, obviously you like what you see. You've got a good relationship with Lovey Smith. So, you know, I think they got a shot. Well, uh, Doug, uh, Illinois closed really well last year, right at the very end. Uh, of course, that was in February. But uh, it looks like they have a chance to make another fast closing, and they need it because they're not ranked very high. I think Rivals has got them below 60, right? And at this point. 60, yeah, 64. 64 nationally, 13th in the Big Ten. Uh. But you're right. I mean, they did close good last year. Can they do it again? A little bit different. You know, if you'd asked me that two or three weeks ago, and I think you did on the show not not that long ago, I would have said no. But but I think uh, the, with the buzz with some of these top kids, they got a chance to get some kids that are going to make a difference. And so I think they do have a chance to finish strong. And one thing to remember too: this isn't the end of the game here in December when they sign kids mm-hmm. on December 20th. You still have until April. The, the February um, uh, signing period opens up on February 7th, and you can sign kids until April 1st. So still plenty of time left in the class. And a, lot, a lot of guys are going to be off the board, but they're going to be identifying new talent and still trying to get some guys to commit and sign in February. Well, if, if you landed 10 more players, you couldn't land it. You couldn't take any more. I mean, they got 15, or I guess about now, if, and, and then the maximum is 25. What do you see – uh, nationally and and with Illinois, how many? What percentage of that twenty five do you expect to be signed? Oh, pretty much all of it. You know, with all t- ten scholarship players are transferring. You did. You know, we just heard about Dominic Thiemann yesterday, and and uh, uh, Sean Adesanya, the defensive end. <clears throat> so ten guys are transferring out of the program. And that's why they got a whole bunch of seats left. They got about ten spots left, and uh, nine or ten spots left, and fifteen commits. So they could sign the full twenty five and. You know, and, and if some kids enroll early, and I know a couple of kids are going to enroll early, uh, you can probably go over by go over that twenty-five. So yeah, I guess I, you I can. Think they'll find, sign. Yeah, right. And you know, they they got rid of the oversigns. You know, it used to be the Big Ten allowed three oversigns, and you so they could sign twenty-eight, thirty kids, but they can't do that anymore. But I, I think they're going to sign a full class. If you asked me that a year ago or six months ago, you know, the class is looking like fifteen to eighteen kids. So yeah. it's going to be bigger. That gives them an opportunity, I think, to, to put their their own stamp on the program a little bit and, and maybe get a little bit higher ranked recruiting class. Now, the word from the university is, you know, that, that there's no big deal on these guys that are transferring, that these are mutual decisions in most cases, and uh, that Lovey wanted to clear the decks and, and kind of start over. But 
I got to be a little bit shaken by the fact you mentioned uh, Thiemann and Adesanya. They were starters at some point this season. Julian Jones and Trey Watson were major starters. Meganson was a starter at one point. Chris James has started. Pat Nelson started m- multiple games. Uh, we, we've got, I mean, it, it, it's got to be a little bothersome to see so many players uh, who were starters. What does that, what does it tell you uh, about, about the team? I mean, to, to have this many starters just up and leave. I think it tells you that you know they were they weren't too happy about their prospects for seeing the field next year. Right. Illinois played you know they played all these freshmen you know and and I, don't, I think a lot of upperclassmen were probably taken aback by that. You know they've been in the program for a few years and worked hard and and were on the field and uh, you know <clears throat> um, the company line like you said is that they're not going to hurt but there's there's no doubt it hurts the depth of the team and you got some quality players in Patrick Nelson who's a starting strong safety. You got a guy who, for for some reason, in Sam Mays didn't develop, but he was a talented kid, a long, athletic receiver, long strider. Yeah. You know, he looked like as a freshman and sophomore, he's going to be a pretty good player, and then, then just kind of disappeared. Uh, Thiemann had some catches. Trey Watson was the starting middle linebacker. So, so you're you're going to miss these guys. You're going to miss the depth for sure. You know, Julian Jones, another linebacker that that saw some starts and some playing time. Uh, Adesanya, he, yes, he was a starter at the beginning of the year, but he just really fell off the map right. and didn't see a whole lot of playing time late in the year. But uh, this is a team that lacks quality depth. It lacks upperclassmen. So you're going you're gonna to miss these 10 guys. There's no doubt about it. So we'll be young again next year, right? I mean, <laughs> instead of being freshmen, we'll be sophomores, right? Young again, and you're still selling the same thing to recruits. Come in and play early, see the field as a freshman, and make an impact. That's, and that's kind of the way they're approaching it. They're talking to these kids about coming in and playing and, and uh, so, yeah, we got to look forward to every week and uh, during the season hearing about how many freshmen Illinois starting again next year. Doug Bouchon joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Give him a follow on Twitter at Illinois Rivals. The uh, works for Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. And Illinois football recruiting is the focus right now for Doug and his entire staff. And, uh, Doug, as you, as you look at this situation, out, out of the 10 players that have transferred, Again, we've talked about here that this wasn't unexpected. You know, it's kind of it sounds. You know, but which of those players surprised you the most out of those ten? I know Trey Watson appears that he wanted to go somewhere in his final season so he could win some games because he's not going to most likely. At least I don't think they're going to make a bowl game next year. I think they might get potentially close if things go their way. Uh, but who surprised you the most on that list? I wasn't really shocked by any of them, but okay. I think Patrick Nelson, the safety, probably was the biggest surprise. He's a quality player and starting strong safety, really good in-the-box safety and a tackler. Now, not great in pass coverage. He's not a real quick twitch guy and, you know, and a speed guy, but, but a, a good player. Uh, you know, in my dealings with Patrick Nelson, he was always a good, really good kid and, and, a, and a, just a, a good teammate, I think. Maybe some problems there at the end, but I, I was a little surprised that he would walk away. You know, and I think disappointing-wise, just because of his career at Illinois, Gabe Meganson, the offensive lineman from Jacksonville, uh, you know, he came in as a highly ranked kid, um, you know, an Under Armour All-American. He thought he was going to step in and play a lot and just just didn't seem to develop and got beat out by freshmen. So, so you're, you're kind of disappointed with his career. But I, I still look forward to watching Gabe play at Illinois State. I think he's going to be a good player there, you know, in the Valley. Well, Doug, we, the depth is now going to be an issue, as we talked about, and – so then you're going to struggle to try to win games again, potentially. If you just don't have the depth, winning in the Big Ten and winning at this level is going to be difficult. How is that? 
you know, you see they got some momentum and there's some buzz going around the, the program right now, but you had 10 straight losses to finish the season. You have the depth issues going forward. Yes, you can give you tell you know high school kids, hey, you can play right away. How much is the losses in the going to start to take a toll on on uh, high school players even looking at at this program? I think it already is. You know, yeah. if you look at the class like we talked about, it's 13th in the Big Ten right now. It, it's it's becoming a harder sell. Uh, you know, you bring kids in on game day and you watch, they watch the games and Illinois is not competitive. It, it has an impact on recruiting. And, uh, you know, I think some of these kids that they're pushing for late and trying to convince, you might have had them committed already, if, you know, a, a while back if you'd have had six, six, seven wins and were going to bowl games. So, you know, it's already made the, the job harder, and it's only going to get harder again if they if they lose again next year. You really have to come out next year and be a little more competitive. Now, I think fans have something to look forward to in the way they've recruited certain positions. The offensive line is looking good. and uh, Depth-wise, talent-wise, it's a different look than we're used to at Illinois. A bunch of road graders, big kids, you know, 300 pounds plus on the on the offensive line. So, so uh, you know, maybe they can get a power running game going. Uh, the quarterback position has been tough for them, but seems to be improving with a couple kids coming in next year. So, you know, there's there's some things to look forward to. Uh, and they got some things to sell with the new facilities coming in in 2019, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, it's already harder than it than it uh, probably needs to be, and it's going to get harder if they don't win. Well, the one of the QB commits I already mentioned, Corin Taylor earlier, uh, MJ Rivers uh, just had a sensational senior season down in Texas, and uh, seems a very hard commit to the Illini and, and expected to sign with the Illini. What have you seen from him? Uh, how much of game film have you got to see on MJ and, and his his addition to this to this program? Well, like you said, a big senior season. He passed for over 2,000 yards, rushed for a bunch of yards, and accounted for like 43 touchdowns on the year. He's a he's a big kid, about six four, two twenty, a big pocket presence, a physical runner. Now he's not a spectacular, dynamic athlete like a Corey Taylor that's going to make guys miss, but he's a good runner. He's fast. He's more of a scrambler, I think, than a than a guy that you 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 know you have designed runs for. Uh, but he's a passer, um, and I want to see him throw in person. I want to see him in camp and look at his arm strength. I, I think that's the one thing that's keeping him from being like a four star kid is he doesn't really have a cannon. His arm's strong enough; he can make all the throws and get it downfield. But I'm not a kid that's that's going to wow you with the arm strength. So that's probably something to watch in camp. Uh, I notice a lot of players on this list are from Texas and Florida. I want to go back to Illinois. I talked to Tom Lemming. You know Tom. Uh, he's been doing this for a lot of years. He said that he's never seen the talent in Illinois any lower than it is last year and this year. Do you agree with that, that we've had two years of, of down uh, talent in the state of Illinois? There's no doubt. You know, kids transferring out of the state was a big factor there. You look at Virtus Brown, transferred to IMG Academy, uh, um, Griffith, this you know the son of the uh, Howard Griffith, the Illini great, transferred to Florida, out of Chicago Mount Carmel. Uh, the the talent's definitely way down. Uh, in the 2019 class, is not any better. We, you know, rivals just came out with their state rankings, and I looked at the top 10 in the state of Illinois. And usually, when you look at the top 10 in the state, those are all, you know, high power five kids that Illinois wants to offer and recruit. And I think they've only offered five of them right now. It's out of the top 10. So, the, you know, that means there's only five can't-miss early offer type of kids in the class. So the talent's definitely way down. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Florida and Texas. That's where Illinois is going to go. That's where they've got the the experience. They've got the, the connections down there, you know, with uh, Lovey Smith and Thad Ward in Florida. 
Andrew Haystoker in Texas, and, and, and of course, Lovey's from Texas. But they're they're going to keep recruiting from there, and they're going to keep going out to California and looking for kids in the Bay Area and the L.A. area. So, they're, you know, they're going to look all around and try to find talent no matter where it is. Does this make it easier to break off with kids when they're not from the state? I mean, of course, uh, several of these uh, players that are leaving right now are Nelson, for example, is from the state, and uh, Meganson, you mentioned. But it, it seems to me that sometimes it's easier for kids that don't make it from the, if they're from a long way off that it, it's easier for them to leave. That's what they've always said. Yeah, it's it's easier to leave when you got some connections in the state. Um, like Gabe's going over to Illinois State, you know, just to, just right down the road. So I think that you know, backing out of of uh, of, of your commitment to a school and 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 moving on is definitely easier if, if you're close by. It's harder for kids that are far away. Now Dominic Demons from from South Florida, so you know, he, and he decommitted, but. Uh, you're right. I think it's easier for kids in state. But well, now, you know, now wait a minute. I, I think you misunderstood what I said. <laughs> oh. what I, basically, what I'm saying is that when you recruit kids from out of state, it's easier for them to leave and not stay within the state. I mean, I, I no, I, I don't think so. I, you I, don't think no, so? Think okay, so. No, all right. No, I don't. You know, you know, no, no, I think they they feel more of a connection to the school, and that's why people recruit nearby. But it's you know, it, it may be a little bit different for basketball, but. Uh, but the, you know, I think it's easier for a kid close by to transfer than it is a kid far away. It's, you know, where are you going to go? You're, you know, but um, and the the thing is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of recruiting gurus in our business and rivals, they say you really to build a program, you got to recruit nearby, and you you got to recruit in the Illini Nation, whether it's St. Louis or Indianapolis or Chicago. Uh, well, Lovey Smith's going to put that to the test because. You know, Tim Beckman and Bill Cuba, that was their thing. Their thing was recruit Chicago, recruit nearby, recruit within three hours of the university or whatever, or six hours. But uh, I don't think Lovey's going to do that. He's going to reach out across the, the country where they got connections and try to find talent wherever it is. Well, uh, with the, uh, the fact that the, the state is way down and the fact that the kids uh, north of uh, uh, Route 80 don't want to come here, evidently, because they've, they've really been turning up their nose to Illinois, uh, you almost have to go out. Of, I mean, there's no other choice for uh, Lovey uh, that I can see. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no doubt. It, you know, I think they want to add speed. You know, and and uh, Illinois and the Midwest is not known for the speed guys, so that's why they go to Florida. You know, Florida's got a lot of kids that can run, and that's what they want to add. You know, and talking with the staff there, um, they want to add athletes, um, kids that can get out and make people miss, and that's what they're going to do. The, you know, the kind of the discouraging thing in state is when you look at the top kids, a lot of them from the very beginning don't really ha- take Illinois all that seriously. You know, they're they're not on their list from the very beginning, and and uh, that's kind of tough. And you know, some of those kids that are that are the, the ones that you really want, the kids in state that you target early, they're a four-star type of kid, and then they then they 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 don't even put you on the list or, or take you seriously from the very beginning. It makes it really tough to recruit them. Doug Bouchon joins for just a couple more minutes here on Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. Who is the name that would surprise uh, you at the end if, if they committed to Illinois that you probably think they're not going to come? I, I know Nate Hobbs kind of was a surprise a couple of years ago. Keyshawn Vaughn, who has now since left, was kind of a surprise on signing day. Uh, is there a name that you're keeping somewhat of a close eye on that might surprise you if, if they sign with Illinois? Well, we mentioned uh, Deo, the linebacker out yep. of St. Louis. There's an, another four-star linebacker out of L.A., uh, Merlin Robinson, his name. 
and the, you know he's considering Illinois and BYU. Those are probably his two top programs right now. Uh, but uh, you know he's got offers from everybody, and he's from the West Coast. He's got offers from USC and UCLA and all the Pac-12 schools. But, um, and I, I'd be surprised if he came to Illinois. But he, you know he, he plans to visit in January, and there's there's definitely a spot for him to play if he comes here. But uh, it's a name to look for to just to look at and, and keep track of Merlin Robinson out of Los Angeles. Well, uh, Doug, I think Illini fans are uh, all sending thank you cards. I mentioned this earlier on the show to, to Lauren. They're all sending thank you cards to uh, Jimbo Fisher for leaving Florida State and uh, allowing Burtis Brown to be uh, a, potentially, it looks like he's going to come here. But uh, thank you, Jimbo Fisher. That's what I think Illini fans are saying right now. Yeah, you know, and Burtis, I think he was still considering, um, you know, flipping even if even if the coach stayed. But uh, he's got a press conference scheduled for December 22nd, and we're going to be there to film it. Uh, Illinois is definitely the leader there. I think that's the school. He, that's the school he's going to pick. The interesting thing about him is going to be: does he play offensive line or yeah. defensive line? You know, he played center all year at IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, when, but when Illinois first started recruiting him at Mount Carmel, he was a deep D tackle, a real big kid and athletic. And and uh, you love to see a kid like that play defense and make an impact. Probably make a lot bigger impact there than he would playing center. But uh, you know. Just another big body, another another guy that fits the mold they're looking for on the offensive line, and and a, just a, a headliner type of recruit for Illinois. Doug, one last question from me: uh, How many of the players that were visiting, or what percentage of the players uh, visiting this weekend, were players who have already committed to uh, among that fifteen who have already committed to Illinois? Oh, there's about about half of them. They got the, okay. all the kids from Florida are there, or three of the kids from Florida are there. Okay. Um, you know, then the in-state kids, Coran Taylor and a bunch of other kids. So about half of the guys on campus are already committed to the program. So, you know, Calvin Avery, the D-tackle out of Texas, and his and the Kevon Myers are there. Oh, boy. You know, the big thing with them, I think, and the reason to get them on campus now is that they really want them to sign on December 20th. Yeah. That, that's, you know, they don't want this to string out until February 7th. So, you know, they're there whining and dining them, rolling out the red carpet, and, and they want them to sign and fax in that national letter of intent on the 20th. Doug, uh, before I let you go, where is Luke Ford going to end up? I know the staff has put in a lot of hard work for him. Uh, looks like Illinois is probably Illinois wasn't in, I believe, his top six a while back, and uh, so it's most likely not going to come here when he got Auburn and Alabama and, and LSU and others who have been on him for some time. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I picked Auburn a while back. I think that you know that visit probably uh, probably wowed him the most. Uh, it seems to be the school that he mentioned the most. So you know, I'll go with Auburn, but. Uh, yeah, it's a real shame. A kid that really liked Illinois, but he wanted to see the Illini win some games, you know, and, and they just didn't do that. They went 2-10, and 10 and now he's probably going to go to the SEC and um, maybe sit the bench for a couple of years and then play when he's a junior. But um, Auburn looks like the favorite to me, a really talented kid, a kid that can really run, a kid that's going to be a pass-catching type of tight end and a super athlete. Well, Doug, thanks so much for your time this weekend. I know it's a busy time for you and a little bit busier than it would be uh, the third week of December for you in terms of watching signing uh, players sign. So uh, good luck in the next few days, and uh, we, uh, we'll be watching to keep us all informed. Okay, I will. You know, a bunch of content coming up after signing day. Sounds good. Have Thank a good weekend, Doug. I appreciate it. Yep. All right, you too. That's uh, Doug Bouchon of Illinois Rivals. Give him a follow on Twitter. 
at Illinois Rivals. Uh, a lot of Illini football recruiting news. Again, uh, a lot of official business going on this week. And we're taking time out here in just a moment. A couple text messages to get you in the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Uh, you can text us at 351-5357. Also give us a call this morning, 356-9397. Uh, 618 area code, freshman play all, all over, not just Kentucky and Duke. Uh, yeah, of course they do. A lot of freshmen are playing here right now. Trent Frazier, Mark Smith, and others. Uh, but Illinois doesn't have Kentucky and Duke freshmen. That was my reference. Uh, those players can make mistakes and still help their teams win a lot of games. And those teams are really, really good like Duke. These like are Mar- NBA-bound players. These are one and sure one and done. Now, yeah. Marvin Bagley third could decide to stay. I doubt he will because he's really, really good. Illinois doesn't have Marvin Bagley the third. So when Marvin Bagley makes a mistake on the defensive end, when he makes a mistake on the offensive end, you don't even notice it because he's so good he makes up for it the very next possession. And Illinois does not have a dominating freshman like that. And that and that was my point early. Yeah, freshmen play all the time all over the place, but Illinois is not getting the top five kids in the country. Tell me, how many one and duns has Illinois had? I'm gonna go with this historically. I hate. I'm going to say zero, but I'm probably wrong. I'm sure there's been one, but I don't think there there hasn't been, has there? Not anybody I know of. No, and, and <laughs> we mean one and done, like here one no, year and then go to the done to the NBA. Yeah, one and done to the NBA. There's been plenty of one and dones that didn't <laughs> that didn't stick around here, but they didn't go to the NBA, and that's the that's that's the point. Like Illinois, Io Desumu is a superstar talent. Uh, 51 points the other night, just an incredible performance. Can't shoot, and uh, I'll, I I'm not worried about that right now. I, I mean, am. 51 points and 11 assists. I, I know. I know you're. I know, I know, listen. Uh, he can get to the rim. A I know lot. a guy that scored 50 points in high school, okay? Yeah. He never but, played in college. <laughs> but this guy's. He's ranked in the top no, 25 I, in the country know he's for a, a reason. Great, well, I know he's a great player, but when you can't shoot from the perimeter, that worries me. Oh, I know. Because the same baskets that he's getting in high school, I, I saw another player just this last week play, and the baskets he got, he won't get in college, okay? I mean. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would take uh, uh, Io absolutely taking. He's a great penetrator. He's got athleticism, but he shoots from the chest, and he doesn't have a three-point shot. The guy that saw him play up there said he went 0 for 10 the first. Yeah. What's he doing taking 10 shots from the perimeter? Oh, yeah, that's I true. mean, if you Good can't thing. make them. Now, I'm way overboard here because – I'm all for getting this player. Mm-hmm. I'm all for taking him. Yeah. But I just don't. I mean, if a guy can't shoot, that uh, they're, 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 when co- when he gets to college, they will be able to play him that way. Sure. Yeah. But I I, I still think he has the athleticism to get by people. Yeah. And and yeah. that's what I'm. That's that's what I'm focused on. If yeah. He, he has the athleticism to get by people. Illinois doesn't have that. But if he can't right. shoot, he's not a one and done. No, and I'm not. Well, and, I never thought he was. I don't no, think that he is. No, but but the point I'm making is there are one and duns. There are a lot of better players yeah, because they don't have one big flaw in their uh, mm-hmm. uh, s- skill set. We have a player coming who has a flaw in his skill set. That's all I'm saying. Oh no, I we agree I on would, that. Yeah, I'll take him in a minute. Yeah, I but think he's, he's not one and done. Good player, but I'm just telling you where I've got two good reports from people that saw him play those two games and. Uh, no. It worries me when a guy can't shoot. I mean, 
we, we're seeing all, uh, Mark Smith is the player of the year in the state of Illinois. We're now seeing there that he has some shortcomings. Now, he's going to be a good player, but he, he's not, he, you know, he's a four year player basically at Illinois, as far as I can see. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not worried about Mark Smith at all. It's, uh, he's it, because he's a freshman and just learning to play at this level, it takes some time. It just does. And uh, you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to be have the confidence game in and game out. He's just, he's just not going to have it. The thing that that all these players that are one and done have, there's one thing they have, and they can all leap. Yeah. I mean leap. Oh, yeah. Well, leap. okay, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, they, Illinois doesn't have that. And no, sir. They, they, there's nobody on that team. Now, I think that, uh, that Black is a good rebounder, but he's not going to hit his head on the rim. No, you know? no. Let's take a quick time out here. Uh, I got a, I got a guest coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Ken Norman is on the phone. We're going to talk to him, former Illini player, uh, played for Lou Henson. It's a Lou Henson day up in Chicago. Uh, Lou, of course, if you're just joining us, didn't hear the news late yesterday. He is not going to be able to make it. Uh, fell ill this week, and it's just not going to be able to go. He's going to watch the game. Ken Norman, get his thoughts on Lou Henson and more. That's coming up next on DWS. <laughs> Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning. Climbing about 40 degrees on December 16th on our way to a high of around 50 today. Definitely going to take that. Please be joined now by former Illini. Of course, uh, Lauren, I got in trouble saying former Illini recently. Uh, Illini Ken's no- Ken Norman, who was uh, led, was on the program through 1987. It's Lou Henson Day up in Chicago. Ken, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys? Not too bad, sir. Well, it's a, a really special day for, for Lou up in Chicago today. Unfortunately, he's not going to be there. Uh, two programs is honoring him, and uh, and just he has two courts named after him by these two programs. It would have been a great moment for him to have two fan bases and two teams to kind of honor him at the same time in person, which is a pretty rare opportunity. Uh, what does this day mean to you as a former player just to see that the, these two programs are doing this for Lou today? You said it, um, for two programs, not just one, but two, to come together. uh, I haven't spoken with Coach Henson in a month or so, but it has to mean the world to him, and it shows a lot of class on New Mexico State as well as uh, Illinois' uh, part to uh, extend to a coach that has done so much for the fine universities, developed so many men into men, so many basketball players into better basketball players. And it is a, a shame that uh, – I shouldn't say a shame. That's not the right word. But it's unfortunate that Coach Henson won't be able to be there because of his health issues. But no doubt it, it is just a great uh, honor and it is, it'll be a great day. And I'm sure this day will be remembered by Coach forever. Uh, you obviously travel, uh, transferred here from Wabash Valley. What made uh, you want to come to Illinois and, and play for Coach Henson? I, uh, I always wanted to play in the Big Ten, number one. And uh, obviously I signed a letter of intent to to go to the University of Illinois in 1982. And um, unfortunately for me, my grades uh, wouldn't allow me in, and I – wound up going to Wabash uh, with the intent of still uh, going to Illinois after a year or two. Um, but in, also, if you look back, they had one of the greatest recruiting classes ever uh, with Ephraim, Bruce, Doug, uh, Scott Mintz. 
uh, and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, at the time, Tony Yates was was an assistant, and um, he gave me an earful as far as you know, uh, opening my eyes up to the potential that that team would have. Uh, again, playing in the Big Ten, which I wanted to do, um, and uh, it was uh, it was definitely the best decision for me. Not only at that time, but looking back on it, it was the best decision that I could have made. And Mark Coombs was with you, uh, Snake. This is Lauren. Uh, Mark was with you at Wabash, and that had to be uh, that that kept you uh, very close to Illinois all the time you were there, didn't it? It did. Um, yes, and uh, obviously he, well, being in the family of Co- Coach Henson, uh, you know, he was kind of a disciple of uh, Coach Coach Henson's thinking. His uh, some of his ethics as far as going to class and working hard, doing the right things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I couldn't, once I got to Illinois, I could not begin to exp- explain or express how happy I was uh, to, to learn that he was going to be joining the staff. You know, uh, we played Austin P the other day, Snake, and I hate to bring this up. but Did uh, I ever make that shot? If, yeah. if you rewind it, do I ever make that shot in 87? I'll tell you what, that was about, uh, you give Henson credit for, for calling a heck of a play because that ball was out of bounds on the other end with three seconds to go or whatever it was, and, and they made that pass to halftime, remember, and, and called timeout, and you still had two seconds, yeah, and they, what, and and they got you a poke at it at least, uh, Ken, but – but uh, the reason I brought it up is I thought that 87 team had a chance to go a long, long way. You had a heck of a ball club that year. Wasn't Altenberger back on that team? Yes, he was. I mean, um, and, and uh, to, to get knocked out that way was just a, a terrible disappointment. Your thoughts on that? It was a major disappointment. Um, we, for whatever, you know, give Austin Peay some credit. You know, they played a, a good game. To be honest with you, Looking back on it, I think that we probably took those guys a little lightly. Um, it was a great game. I, I don't remember the big guys, and they had a guy yeah. that was about six six ten, about three hundred and thirty forty pounds. He he did some things. He hurt us bad. I I, I remember that game obviously like it was this morning. Uh, and you, you're right. We did. We had the ball with like three seconds to go. And underneath their basket, and as you said, we threw a long pass, that something that we worked on vigorously in practice. We threw a long pass to get it to half court, called, immediately called the timeout, took it out on the sides. Um, Steve inbounded the ball, was inbounding the ball. Uh, I uh, went down to set a screen, came back to the foul line, got a great look, great, great look. Steve made a great pass. I got a great look. Uh, and if, and I I vaguely remember kind of rushing it because at that time they didn't have the the uh, the um, fractions of a second right. on uh, on the clock and I remember just a little bit kind of rushing it just a tad but it was definitely a shot that I, I should have made I wish I had made uh, but unfortunately I didn't and obviously the rest was what it was. Well, if you had something to say to Lou Henson today, if you were in Chicago, where are you? Are you in California now? Yes, I'm in California. What would you say to Lou? Sacramento. Well, uh, I won't. I don't necessarily have to say it over the radio. Uh, Coach and I speak uh, every few months. Uh, in fact, I may even call him uh, if I if I can get through. I know he's in the hospital. Um, but listen, Coach, 
Uh, actually, you know what? I'm not going to say what I would say to him now. I'll just simply pick up the phone and call him. But, you know, I guess for for your, your viewers, you know, I would like to say, you know, thank you again. There's no way on God's green earth that I would be the man, the father, the husband, the grandfather that I am today without without you, without you stand, stand in my head, in my butt, about being punctual, doing the right thing, saying the right right thing. Uh, and, and, you know, when you're an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, you don't want to hear all that stuff. You know, you want to, you know, be cool and, you know, do the things that, that young kids do. But that stuff made me a man. It, not, it, it did, did, the, did the players get along with uh, with Lou at the time? I mean, I know Bardo wrote some things in his book about the fact that uh, they didn't get along necessarily. What what are your uh, what was what was your feelings about that? Were, were there moments when you were upset with Lou? There's no question about it. But if you're happy with a person, whether it's your mother, father, coach, school teacher, whatever, you're happy with a person all the time. Uh, 24 hours a day, every day. I don't think that that person is, is a real positive person in your life. They, you know, in order for you to learn, you have to learn from people. And you're not going to always agree with things that people say. Uh, there's no question about it, Coach Henson, uh, and, and myself. We're speaking of myself. Um, there were a lot of things that I didn't want to hear or that I didn't uh, agree with on the basketball court or off the basketball court that I didn't agree with, and I'm sure that a lot of guys did not agree with. But as I continued to advance in life, I would look back on things that he said. I would think about things that I was raised by my mom in a single-parent home. I would think about things that my mom would say. I would think about things that Coach Henson would say. I'm like, wow, these guys are kind of saying the same thing. (laughs) And I know my mother loves me to death. She's not going to tell me anything wrong. And Coach Henson is trying to instill these same beliefs in me, or he has instilled these same beliefs in me. So let me listen to what this guy has to say. But I really, to be honest with you, did not um, accept and appreciate uh, the, the full effect that Coach Henson had on me until I was in playing professional basketball in the NBA, obviously. And just some some of the things that, and this is no disrespect or a knock on any of the other guys that I played on, but some of the things that they would do or had not learned previous to getting to the NBA, I had learned as a basketball player, as a man, as a person. So he has uh, he has had a tremendous impact on my life, and I'm not I haven't even touched a basketball. I'm just talking about me as a man, me as a good trying to be a good citizen in this world, and Ray. Ray and two children that I've raised and three grandboys that I'll have to raise and just trying to be positive. I mean, he has meant the world to me in that aspect, not in that aspect mainly. Well, you know, Ken Norman joining us on Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS talking about Lou Henson, and you talked about you know, your mom you know, telling you things that you didn't want to hear back then. I, I remember my mom, and she's not listening right now, but uh, I got in trouble once or twice when I was a teenager in early 20s, and uh, you know, I, I didn't think she was right, and now I look back on it. Like oh yeah I guess she was right and uh, <laughs> and I guess maybe I should have done what she said and it's kind of what you're talking about with Lou that with Lou there and just as you get older you just realize that adults know more than you do and they're smarter than you are and and they know how to make the right decisions mostly because you know you know your parents have probably been through making the same mistakes they made when they were younger as well and I, I and uh, how did Lou help you in your NBA career as you went on? You mentioned you touched on it just a little bit there. In my NBA career, like I said, uh, 
as far as being, you know, his thing. What if you're if you're if you're thirty seconds late, one minute late, five five minutes late. Hey, you're late. Yep. Get that. Get that. Get there early. And that translates into basketball. I mean, if you got pra- practice at eleven o'clock, don't show up at ten fifty nine. Get there at ten at ten thirty, ten ten forty five. You know, he obviously is, is is from the elite old school, and he believes in hard work. And that's something that I've never been afraid of. That I've always wanted to be known as the hardest working man in showbiz, uh, per, per se. He made sure. Hey, wh- why shoot five hundred jump shots a day if you can shoot a thousand? Why finish? Why finish second when you're doing your conditioning? Anybody can finish second. Anybody can finish third. Work hard to be the best. You know, don't don't be lazy. Work hard. Be the best. You know, rep, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition. That's gonna help. That's what's gonna help you. You know, become a better shooter. You know, become a better defender. Hey, Snake, what what was your number uh, on the draft? What, what were you sixteen? Nineteen. Can you can you still list the other eighteen? I sure can, I, I <laughs> uh, because I definitely felt like I sh- and I had something to prove going into the NBA. I've just definitely felt like I should have went much, much higher, and um, I wound up. Uh, and I think that that always drove me uh, as a as an NBA player, knowing that I should have gone a lot higher. Um, and I mean, to be honest with with you, I was. I was ticked off for years about falling to 19, but hey, it's my fault. If I had played better, I would have gone better. But I had a, a much better career than probably 75% of the guys that were drafted before me. How many years did you play? Played 10. Okay, 10 years. Who was number one that year? David Robinson. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, it's funny you, you, we've been talking about the draft here. I just happened to watch the clip of you being drafted this morning, and uh, you know after I learned you're going to be on, and and they were talking pretty glowingly about you, like this guy can really help the Clippers. He can play a lot. They they need some help. And they they listed all the dra- guys that were drafted in the last six or seven years by the Clippers, and they either weren't very good or they traded away the good players. And so like this guy could really help the Clippers. And so you were getting some glowing reviews there on TV. Uh, it was it was back then during that was that was on draft night. Right, yeah, I, I remember the draft. Uh, we watched. We went to. I didn't want to go to New York. I wanted to share that special moment with my family. Uh, we went out to my sister Mildred's house out in Bolingbrook, and uh, I was told that I would be drafted anywhere from ten to about thirteen. And then number ten came. I'm sorry, not ten. From eleven to about thirteen. Ten came and went. Eleven came and went, which was a great Reggie Miller. Um, 12 was, 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 uh, Muggsy Bogues. And then I, there was no way that I thought that I would slip past 13, which the Clippers also had that pick. They drafted Joe Wolf. Mm-hmm. And it, it, uh, instead of it becoming the greatest day of my life, it, it, it just got super depressed. And I'm like, oh, wow, I've worked my whole life to get here. Now I'm just, for whatever reason, falling, falling, falling. And then, uh, Utah took, uh, Jose Ortiz at 14, um, no, no, I'm sorry. Golden State Clippers took Joe Wolf at 13. Golden State took Tellus Frank at 14 and 15 was uh, Jose Ortiz to Utah. 16 was Christian Velp <laughs> wow. to, to um, Christian Velp to Philly. 17 was Ronnie Murphy to Portland. 18 was Mark Jackson. 
to the Knicks, and then mm-hmm. I obviously went 19. But I remember walking outside. I, I just couldn't. But it was like a bad dream that was happening, and and finally they called my name at 19, and I was elated. Uh, but yet I was still upset that I wasn't drafted, and I had a chip on my shoulder, and I felt like I had something to prove. That's an impressive memory, Ken. I know uh, Draymond Green did like the 30 guys that were drafted before him just a couple <laughs> of years ago, and I'm, I was like, but that's just, uh, you know, that's some guys use the, that motivation, and it definitely worked in your favor. Hey, Ken, we're short on time this morning. It's really good stuff. Uh, you know, we got to get to take a time out, but uh, we need to get you on again soon. It's really good stuff, and uh, I know you wanted to talk about Lou today. So thanks so much for calling in. Hey, thanks. Thanks Thank a lot, you. Snake. Yep. Okay. Yep. Take care. You too. That is Ken Norman was a member of the 19 with Illinois from 1984 to 1987 playing under Lou Henson. Take a timeout. We'll come back. This is Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. Welcome back to Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. He's Lauren Tate. I'm Michael Kaiser. Thanks so much for joining us on this Saturday morning. Got Illini women's basketball coming up at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Scott Beatty, Mike Kuhn on the call there. Illini men's basketball tonight. Illini game day. I'll have that with you uh, at 5.30 tonight. Lauren Tate, I'll join you for that. Tip off with Brian Barnhart and Deion Thomas is at 7 o'clock. Lou Henson day for that game. Uh, I got something I wanted to play, a tribute to Lou Henson uh, here coming up just a moment. Uh, Lou Obviously can't go tonight if you're and if you're just joining us. He's not going to be in Chicago. Of course, he was originally planned to be there, but Lou Henson will be watching the game on TV and, and be there in spirit. So here's a little something to, uh, on Lou Henson and uh, some just some key moments in his career here at Illinois. Illinois wins. Illinois wins. Illinois wins. Final four. Final four. Final four. Final four. Eighty-nine to eighty-six. When. I saw Kenny go in for the layup and I heard the buzzer go off. I laid down on the court and that was the happiest moment of my, besides my kids being born, that was the happiest moment of my life. I didn't think it was going to be this good, but it feels good. <laughs> yes. We're working to get somewhere and we're on our way. We've had some outstanding teams, but not a team to get the Final Four since in the early 50s, so uh, it means a lot to all of us. They were courageous. They fought to the end. They did a great job. It's a tribute to the great team that we have. I'm thrilled about it. I'm excited about it because I like the way our team gets after people. Remember, the clock doesn't stop. And it it uh, uh, I can't believe it now. I thought that Stephen Bardo did a good job by calling the timeout. Then he made the good pass to Nick, and Nick uh, squared around and uh, just made a fantastic shot. Well, first of all, it was great that I had an opportunity to go to New Mexico State. It was a great opportunity, but the be- in my opinion, probably the best thing that's happened to us is come to Illinois. We've really enjoyed being in Illinois. The people are great. University's great, and so that's been a big thing for us. And that's 
uh, several highlights from Lou Henson's career here at Illinois. Uh, some of that's from a line production video that produced when the court was named after him, some BTN uh, special programming as well. Of course, you heard Jim Turpin on the Final Four call in 1989. And just uh, a special, special man, Lauren, that uh, you know uh, maybe better than most, at least here locally in town. Mark Coombs obviously knows him really, really well, uh, and, of course, his wife. But uh, a man that you've talked to many times over the years. Well, Mary's taking really good care of him these oh, days, and, yeah. and uh, she'll see that he gets to watch the game today. I mean, they've got it on. Uh, on the, they've got Big Ten Network, so they'll they'll see the game. Well, that uh, again, it's uh, Lou Henson Day up in Chicago, uh, New Mexico State, and Illinois, tipping off at seven o'clock. Uh, Lou was going to be there and was going to be honored before and during the game tonight. Uh, they'll still honor him in some fashion. Lou just won't be there to get the standing ovation that uh, he would have gotten had he been in person. You might get it anyway. He'll probably get it, actually, That's <laughs> it, but he won't visit, uh, see it in person. But he's got plenty of those, and my hope is that when he gets out of the hospital, he can go to the game this season and uh, get the ovation uh, this season. That would be great to see here during this basketball season. He has amazing recuperative powers. Yeah. Amazing. He continues to do it uh, time and time again. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, So thanks to our guest today, Will Leach uh, from Sports on Earth. uh, Does a lot of different things. Uh, former uh, Matthew native, uh, of course, an alum here at the University of Illinois, big-time Cardinals fan. Get his thoughts on the off-season moves and the winter meetings. Thanks to Andy Katz of the Big Ten Network, also an NCAA.com contributor. Thanks to Doug Bouchon on Illini football recruiting and former Illini Ken Norman. Uh, great stuff from him, Lauren. Uh, we definitely need to have him on again for sure. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned earlier uh, the passing of Eddie, uh, Teddy Edelman and Shirley Beach, uh, wives of great Illini. And uh, this, uh, We move on. Yep. Thanks so much for our producer, Jim Lewis. Have a great weekend, everybody.